So the seventh commandment. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Therefore, you shall not commit adultery. So here we are, step by step, Exodus 20, beginning with the prologue and then the seventh commandment. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery. Therefore, you shall not commit adultery. I've been wondering what you'd answer to my first question that I always ask. What did you think of this commandment when you were growing up? Maybe I'll get Candy Cleary's answer again from, I think, a week or two ago. I didn't think about it. I can't remember which one that was. but It only applies to adults because it's adultery. I, I, I will let you in on a little something, and I thought this was... Uh, later on I was going to talk a little bit about uh, Dr. Packer and how he doesn't give a lot of self-disclosure. Um, he often refers to it as the old evangelical striptease. So Dr. Packer, if you ever hear this, I have it written down. You quoted that in seminary. But he, he did say when he first came across this command as a kid, he said, you shall not commit adultery. That must mean I should not behave like adults. So there you go. The adult only, don't behave. Okay, anybody else? Now, were were you thinking this as a kid, though? Ah, a lot of divorces over this issue. His father practiced law, and so he thought, this gets a lot of Christians in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts on this command when you were a kid? See Margaret going, I wasn't allowed to think about this one. I mean, this is like the rated R commandment. You know, you're te- are they doing the Ten Commandments in the children's church? Yeah. Okay, well... Last week we were in the 6th, this week we'll be in the 8th. Okay, how's this commandment generally perceived today? It's what? Antiquated. That is so yesterday. Yeah. Get with the times. Okay, so not sure anyone would actually say that, especially not on the wedding day up front. That yeah, that usually doesn't find its way into the vows. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So there's a tension in it. On the one hand, outdated. On the other hand, people seeming to think it is there is something good about it. Okay. Other thoughts about how this commandment is viewed today. Isn't that like most sin, Hazel? It's okay as long as you don't get caught. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is, that is a lot of what it, the way it's looked at. Mm-hmm. You should not commit adultery unless there's a good reason. Mm. Mm. 
Mm. So yeah, so there, so there, there's a tension even that we're seeing within the the larger culture, within the political sphere, responding to Senator Edwards and the uh, the affair there. Yeah, yeah, we see a lot of a lot of tension with this. Uh, seen as oh yeah, one more. Ah, okay. Doesn't apply unless you're married. Good distinction. Um, so as long as it's with someone who's not married. That was the old rule. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I was thinking, I mean, to, today when we think about uh, sex in the wider culture, it's, it's often viewed as a, as a coming-of-age ritual. Uh, again, uh, getting back to the, you know, that, that's just old, that's archaic. Why would we even want to consider something like this? I mean, that is from the Old Testament. Um, I, I was, as I was working through this text and thinking about it this week, I was reminded of... Uh, a song by George Michael, another Brit like Dr. Packer, though I don't think they ran in the same circles. Uh, but being in high school in the 1980s, I, I remember uh, one of the lyrics from a George Michael song, sex is natural, sex is good, not everybody does it, but everybody should. So there's an interesting commentary. Okay, there's, there, there is more to say. Wow. So, so, so when one of your daughters entered junior high, one of her friends said, is, is this the year for us, we, the year we can start? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's an interesting thing. I, I, I don't watch a lot of television now, but I, I remember um, some of the shows that I would watch, um, would, especially in the 80s and the 90s, and I'm sure they still do, would wrestle with that, a little bit with that, maybe not wrestle, that's not the right word, but they would start trying to talk, oh, you're too young. Then you get a conversation between parent and child. So when is when is okay? When's the right time? Well, you need to be in love. You need to at least be an adult. You need to. Well, okay. Let me give you a, a few more thoughts to consider. Not. <clears throat> I want to take us back again as we think about a commandment like this, uh, and and one in which <clears throat> there's a lot of judgment that is is uh, cast from this. I mean, we see that when the when politicians hit the front page, and especially a lot of the reactions we have in our own hearts, if not also the way we express that. So I want to remind us again, all of the, the, the whole of the commandments, but then as we approach each commandment, we should also remember the prologue. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery. Good news before good instruction. Gospel and law together. I am your God, you are my people. I have an everlasting covenant with you. You know this covenant through faith in Jesus Christ. And despite your, <clears throat> your struggles, your stumbling, Jesus says, I am your covenant keeper. 
I will remake you. I am remaking you. One day you will know the fullness of this. We are being made into love God, love neighbor type people. You shall not commit adultery. Okay, Brandon and I were, were talking about this, and it's like, welcome Sunday morning. It's now time for the sex talk with your pastors. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I heard of a teenager who was having a, a birthday at a, a church once. This is a, a true story. And his pastor was going through the Ten Commandments, and he looked ahead, and he said, Mom, do you know what commandment we have to hear on my birthday? It's the sex command. So an uncomfortable birthday for that kid sitting next to mom and dad. But, you know, it shouldn't be an awkward thing for us. I mean, it's awkward because of its misuse and abuse. Now, we'll look at that briefly for a minute, but you shall not commit adultery. This seventh command calls us to face at least three biblical truths. Some of those have already been touched on. First, sex is for marriage and marriage only. Second, marriage must be seen as a relation of lifelong fidelity between a man and a woman. And third, and this gets a little bit, I think Amy started to bring this up, other people's marriages must not be interfered with by sexual intrusion. And then I'll address more of what Amy was pointing to later. So, so sex is for marriage and marriage only. Marriage must be seen as a relation of lifelong fidelity between a man and a woman. And other people's marriages must not be interfered with by sexual intrusion. So this is the way that life works best. A true sign of loving one another. Of growing as these love neighbor type people. Now, I like what, <clears throat> what J.I. Packer has to say about uh, the place for and purpose of sex. So I want to read this quote from him. He asks, what, what then is the place and purpose of sex? God intends, as the story of Eve's creation from Adam shows, that the one flesh experience should be an expression and a heightening of the partner's sense that being given to each other, they now belong together, each needing the other for completion and wholeness, which we see in Genesis 2, uh, and pointing to the completion and wholeness that we need in God. He goes on to say, this is the love that committed couples are to make when they mate. Children are born from their relationship, but this is secondary. What is basic is the enriching of the couple's relationship itself through their repeated knowing of each other as persons who belong to each other exclusively and without reserve. So the place for sex is the place of lifelong mutual fidelity, marriage, where sexual experience grows richer as the couple experiences more and more of each other's loving faithfulness in the total relationship. Where sexual experience grows richer 
as the couple experiences more and more of each other's loving faithfulness in the total relationship. Now, having spent some time with Dr. Packer in seminary, as I mentioned already, he doesn't often offer a lot of self-disclosure. But one of his, his best friends, a fellow seminary professor, Jim Houston, who's about the same age, uh, does offer a bit more self-disclosure. And uh, I had the privilege of meeting with Dr. Houston while uh, Heather and I lived in Vancouver uh, about once every month or so, just for spiritual direction and care and my own growth in, uh, in, in my faith journey. And also from time to time, Dr. Houston would meet with Heather and me together. And one day he, I remember him just, he was just casting vision for the, the beauty of marriage. He's been married for over 50 years. And he was, he was just encouraging us with what God was doing in us and through us and what he would continue to do and how it would continue to blossom. And I was, I was really getting excited seeing all the, and seeing, it, seeing the example of it in his marriage. And then he began to talk about sex within the context of his marriage. And he said, Camper and Heather, you know, Rita and I are in our 80s, and I know that Hollywood says something entirely different. But let me tell you, we are reaping the benefits, harvesting fruit that has been seed that has been sown through our faithfulness to one another as we have walked with God's faithfulness to us, Year after year after year. If you make it 50 years, I look forward to hearing about it in heaven from you. And you know, that was, that was a real gift to Heather and me, to hear from uh, the Houstons in their 80s, being willing to, to share that, and, being, and knowing him enough that I could see a love relationship that was founded in the love relationship God had for them and that they had for God. As I saw them grow as love God, love neighbor people. Now Amy did bring up, we do know there is sex outside of marriage. And sex outside of marriage cannot fulfill God's ideal. And the reason for this is that it lacks the context of pledged fidelity. It lacks that, that covenant-keeping relationship. <clears throat> and so in casual sex, a person does not strictly love another person, but rather uses and so abuses that person, no matter, no matter how willing he or she is. Now, there may be a moment of delight or moments of ecstasy, but the larger context, as testimony will tell, and as the political example you gave will tell, more destruction than delight, more devastation, more pain. Now, again, we put this, we put each commandment within the context of God's covenant keeping with us. And so, there is forgiveness. There is renewal. Uh, there is hope. So I don't, I, I don't want to leave it, uh, leave it hanging in the, in the balance of there's no turning back 
There is renewal just as there is. There is hope just as there is for each of the commands. I want you to think about it this way uh, for a moment. Sex is like a river. This was very helpful for me thinking about this uh, a few years ago. A river is a wonderful thing. Many of us live on or near the James River. Um, But a river is a wonderful thing. It's teeming with life. There's refreshment. It flows freely. Some of us go on vacations near rivers. But we know that rivers have two banks. On the one hand, there's the right bank and the left bank, or north or south, whichever direction you are. Um, But those, those banks bind that river. And we know that if there is an erosion of either bank or both, or the, or the river goes beyond the bounds of those banks, that there's a flood and there's destruction. And the same goes for sexual intimacy. It's a, it's a river of beauty, teeming with, with life, refreshment, joy. But, ba- but to be within the bound, flowing freely within the, the bounds of two banks... On the, on the one bank, between a man and a woman. And the other bank, in a covenant relationship of marriage. Now, within a relationship or within a culture, should either or both of the banks erode? Or should the, the river flow above and beyond those banks? There's a flood and it's destructive. But within those bounds, there is much freedom, and much joy. Now, just a, you know, just a brief note. <clears throat> I realize I'm not addressing, I just don't have time this morning to address singleness. Um, and I know that that, you know, that is a hard issue. Some who wish for a sexual partner do not get that sexual partner But what God, by circumstances, calls us to, He will also enable us for. And we look at Jesus, our Lord and Savior, a man who was celibate. Paul, we don't know a lot before his ministry, but we know during his ministry, a a single man. We're grateful for the ministry of Jesus and how that ministry is expounded to us by Paul. And we know that Jesus even speaks about this. You know, and I wonder if anybody was thinking, he's he's not even married. How can he talk about this? But Jesus unpacks the seventh commandment because the seventh commandment is rooted in God's truth, not in anyone's experience. The seventh commandment being unpacked further in his Sermon on the Mount, just like last week we looked, Briefly in Matthew 5, how Jesus likened uh, anger to murder. Let me just briefly uh, read these two verses for you. Jesus goes on to say, You have heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
Jesus says, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already broken the seventh commandment with her in his heart. Of course, we know this applies both ways for men and women. But let me just ask you this briefly. Why should lust be included with adultery? Mm. Mm. What's yeah? It's about a heart change. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I do. I do, barely, but we're from the same state. We both like peanuts. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. And and he was. He took a lot of heat from that. Boy, what if we all were concerned about the heart? Yeah, not just looking good on the outside, but that what was on the outside was flowing from something life-giving on the inside. Yes. Right. It's not just a sex act. That's a good point. Exactly. Yeah, so Jesus, you know, Jesus challenges when we like to go through the commandments and try to... Check it off. He brings it home, pushes it further into the heart. Because he is saying, I am your God who has rescued you, who is teaching you what it is to be free people, no longer in bondage. I am committed to changing your heart. I mean, as I walked in this morning, I I was recognizing some hard places in my heart. And I said, Lord, okay, I've been trying to fix these things. I can't do anything about it. I'd like to see your glory today in my heart because I know that that will translate in the rest of the way I relate to people. Okay, I, I, I want to give us some time to think about some of these implications and some time to talk briefly within groups. Now, I know this could be an uncomfortable thing to talk about, so I want to clarify the first question. When are we guilty of committing adultery? I'm not asking for any personal confession. This is a the royal we, uh, the uh, um, so speaking more generally. But and we began to get on it with uh, Jesus' unpacking of the commandment. Uh, what is the biblical concept of marriage? We touched on that a little bit. And, and what does sex outside of marriage lack in terms of God's ideal? <clears throat> but what maybe would be if you don't if, Talk about those briefly. But I think the question that would be really good to begin to wrestle with some is how is the seventh commandment similar to commandments one and two? How is the seventh commandment, a commandment of fidelity and loyalty, similar to commandments one and two, commandments about fidelity and loyalty, and what sex within marriage, whether or not we're we're married, what it points to. Because Dr. Houston could have had that same conversation with me even if I wasn't married. But it points to an ecstasy far beyond what we could experience in a sex act. So, we'll take about 10 minutes, <clears throat> maybe a little less, about 7 minutes to do that because I went a little long today. <clears throat> but if you guys could talk about that and then I'll bring us back together and we'll, we'll then talk a little bit about what it looks like. Yes? 
Yeah, when, when states recognize their good laws within God's laws. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's discuss, and I'll bring us back together in six or seven minutes. <clears throat> okay. We're going to corral our sex talk now to the larger context of our group. Now, I want to I point out uh, that as, that as a, a church, we have done, well, I think we've done multiple things, but we've done at least one thing that I wanted to highlight. <clears throat> one thing this morning in helping us be keepers of this commandment, uh, of helping us as the church live within the context of sexual purity. One step that we often, as the church, do not take, and that is we have talked about this together. We have, we've had discussion about it, and we've done it within the context of God's Word. And we'll talk about a lot of things within the context <clears throat> of God's Word, but we often don't have conversations with one another. A lot of the, the affairs that end up on the front pages, especially when they're of fellow believers, can you imagine what would have happened if it was a safe enough place within their home group or within their home, or with a friend, to be able to say, I'm really struggling right now, and this is how I'm struggling. Would you, would you hold me accountable? Would you pray for me? Would you ask me about this? Because I love my spouse, but there's a struggle going on in my heart. And would you help point me to Jesus, because right now I'm having a hard time. I need somebody to help me, to walk with me, to remind me of the gospel, because I need to see... My heart changed. Okay, this is supposed to be the time we talk together. Sorry, preacher starts preaching. Um, and I, I do want to ask the, the, the question about Grace Covenant. But is anybody, did, I'm hoping some of you got to talk about the seventh commandment and its relation to the first and second commandment. Because we don't have time to talk about it a lot. Is there a book in the Bible you could go to to read more about that? What? Hosea. First few chapters of Hosea, great place to go. If you haven't read it before, you're going to start reading it and going, what? What? You're going to read it again and go back, but it is, it's amazing to see what God is communicating to us through that. So what would we as a church look like uh, if we more fully embraced this command? A fewer requests for counseling. Okay. We've talked about some of the things already, but what would, what would, what would it look like? Genuine? Would we talk about these things more? <laughs> if I asked you to. Okay, I'm asking you to. I think, that's, I think that's one thing that would mark our church. And it would become less of the taboo. Um... It would, it would be a place where we, we'd be able to care for each other. Again, the body of Christ needs Christ within the body. I mean, this is, a, this is a family relationship that God is doing a transforming work in us as a people and us as individuals. So, yeah. Anything else? What might our response be when we see something on the headlines? as opposed to maybe what it sometimes is. Compassion. Now, it doesn't mean we would not 
be angry about the sin. I wonder if we might also, though, pray for the person. Because gossip isn't just gossip when I'm talking to Greg about Nelson because I know both of them, but how do I talk about other people that I don't personally know? And am I expressing the the love of Christ in that? So it's acceptance within the context of not approval. But we, we can, okay, that's another topic. We confuse acceptance and approval. We often see them as synonyms, and I think God makes it clear they're not. Okay. We might speak sooner. Yeah. Yeah. We would speak sooner. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, within the church, we're just like the people outside of the church in that we both have a need for Jesus. Now, we've recognized that need, and we're trying to help others to recognize that need. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me close us in prayer, just because we're going to have another gathering in about 15 minutes. And we'll have another sex talk in about 45 minutes. <laughs> but let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us and your pursuit of us and your saving us through Jesus Christ and through that work on the cross that is overflowing today and penetrating our hearts and recreating us, renewing us as we become love God, love neighbor people. And Lord, we look forward to the day. We do. We yearn for the day that we will know that in full. And we cry out to you and ask that you would change us. We thank you for the gift of sex and the context of being enjoyed within the context of a covenant relationship between a man and woman in marriage. And Lord, we pray that you would protect each of us and guard and guide each of us, whether married or single, whatever the context, to grow as men and women and and for our children as too, as those who are sexually pure. And also those who grow more and more as people who worship you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So go in peace.